Hey, Steve, I feel like our podcast intro is getting a little repetitive. Do you have some time today to record a new one? Sure, it'd be good. I like that kind of thing. I'll put on my best presenter's voice. Yes, like Nick chose announcer's voice. Who? Oh, never mind. Yes, use your best presenter's voice. You ready? I'm ready. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Tampa Tantrum, which is proudly brought to you by... Steve, come on, you can do it. I can't, you know I can't. Okay, right, focus. Let's have another go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Tampa Tantrum, which is made possible by the kind support of... Steve, honestly, you can do this. Nuova Simonelli. Nuovo Simonelli? Say it after me. Nuova Simonelli. Nuovo Simonelli. Never mind, I'll just record it myself. Hello and welcome to episode the 46th of Tamper Tantrum, uh, broadcasting from the carcass of what was formerly Colin Herman's body, um, located here in the foothills of the Dublin Mountains. Joined on the line with me is none other than Mr. Stephen Layton. How are you, Steve? I'm good. And I feel I should do something about that I'm in the foothills of Birmingham, but it doesn't quite have the same ring, does it, as there's no hills? But you're, yeah... No, it doesn't really have any hills, but I'm sure there's some other geographical treats and delights in store for the people in the West Midlands. No, no, none at all. There's just... The Black uh, Country, isn't that what they call it? Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, broadcasting to you from the heart of the Black Country. Yes. So why is it called the Black Country? It makes it sound like Mordor. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's something to do with uh, the Industrial Revolution and that there was an awful lot of smoke and smog and it just kind of got the name of the black country because things got covered in soot and stuff. Uh, I seem to remember something like that. We have the black country. There's a roasting joke in there somewhere, isn't there? There is, there is, definitely. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I'm fairly sure it's something to do with that, but I, I, I will research for next week. You will do that, won't you? Yes, definitely. Um... So, yeah, it's been... How long has it been since we've been... Because, like... Well, you did... Yeah, like, you did you, you, I'm going to go through... I'm actually going to... I was going to rephrase it because it didn't sound right, but you did Tim Styles, you did Nick Cho, and I did Federico Bolanis. Oh, you got lucky. <laughs> um, so I think it was 42, episode 42, last time we were together. And everybody, really? everybody keeps asking me if you are dead. They obviously aren't listening to the podcast then. No, no. But they could have been doing it in advance. The um, yeah, it's um. It, but the other thing is, it's creeping up on fifty now. It's crazy, isn't it? And now I'm, I'm really kind of. I, I love these landmarks. So like doing the in my mug, I've always got used to the landmarks coming around. But we had that massive hiatus of doing these podcasts, so it kind of I forgot that this one had big numbers as well and 50s I'm really excited about 50 I think yeah it's going to be something special it's um, I never thought it would get past 2 so getting to 50 is quite a thing definitely is Um, so what's happened in the meantime what's what's going on Um, I had Christmas how was Christmas for you how was Christmas with the shop I mean it's it's notoriously a busy time but I could not imagine having a shop and a roastery because the roastery is just chaos at Christmas. Um, yeah, I think like the shop is interesting because what happens is that like we're kind of on the edge of town, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people would go into town 
to do their shopping at Christmas. So I think the first three weeks of Christmas are are generally pretty quiet. And then all of a sudden it gets really, really busy. And then we kind of think of it as a Christmas rush. But when you look back in December, it's usually about like pretty much the same as November. It's just everything, like two thirds of it happens in a week. Yes. Um, the roastery is kind of, well, we're closed for a couple of weeks. I think the last week of December and the first week of January. Mm-hmm. so that's equally hectic but that's because you're double roasting and then there is more roast on top of that so I think they generally double their capacity that week um, which is always interesting yeah no I mean <coughs> we did we, we did we were doing kind of equally as high numbers you know just like so busy like boxes everywhere and the biggest problem was space like we, we you know the roasting wasn't a problem but packing and actually setting out and laying out and dispatching was the hardest part um, and also trying to get everything out for Christmas. So people would leave stuff to the last minute and we'd be getting emails coming in saying, can you guarantee it gets out? And I was like, I can't guarantee anything this time of year. It's, um, yeah. you know, the, the shipping the shipping lines went into a bit of a meltdown. So, you know, FedEx and Royal Mail that we used, like we're just, yeah, all over the place. And that just creates extra problems because then you get more complaints and more people not very happy that their stuff hasn't arrived. But yeah, we actually... Well, Ireland being a tiny little island that it is, we um, we ended up actually driving a few parcels. So, like, people email you Christmas Eve and they're like, oh, it never arrived. You're like, And they're, like, 40 minutes from your shop. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to drive it to you. You know, they're just like, it's, it, parcels don't show up, like, all year round. But when they don't show up at Christmas, it's just... I, I remember. I remember about it would be about four years ago. I got exactly the same uh, email that the the order hand arrived. It was a Christmas present, and the way it was worded was like, "Look, I know it's not your fault. It, it's not your problem, but you know this has happened, and we just thought you should know." So I, I actually went into work and fired up the roaster. Did a, did the roast just for them. Took the rest of the coffee home, and then drove for two hours um, to Leeds to deliver it uh, on Christmas Eve. And um, yeah, I had a great feeling of smugness when I did that. Um, like a like a coffee Santa Claus. Yes, yes, but I, I don't. Know, it was just like one of those things that I, I felt, I felt I should, uh, and I also I wanted to get out of the house because I knew that I was going to spend a lot of time in it in Christmas. I hate so. Um. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, what did you do this Christmas? Well, I I I did something I'd I'd always wanted to do. So remember, um, I think it's the first Die Hard, uh, where Bruce Willis is at the airport on Christmas Eve. And yeah. like everybody's oh, that's Die Hard is the film that's not actually a Christmas film. Go on. No, but it 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 still is a Christmas film, and it has it's the gr- and it has the great Alan Rickman in it as well, which uh, it's very sad to see him pass. But and one of my it's one of my favorite like films to watch when I don't want my brain to be turned on. Um, yeah. You know, I just sit and vegetate and stare at it. And I've always been excited by the thought of traveling on Christmas Eve to somewhere. You know, like everybody traveling home for Christmas, and so. Um, I flew out on the 24th uh, to um, uh, El Salvador via Miami, I think it was. And it was just the most bizarrest thing ever. Like Christmas, I was in the air when Christmas came kind of here. And the wonderful technology on aeroplanes. Now I had Wi-Fi and all of the Christmas messages coming through. It's not Christmas yet because, you know, the time zone difference and stuff. but I didn't sleep basically for four days when I got there, so I was just a gibbering wreck. Um, <laughs> but Christmas Day was spent in the pool, eating chicken wings off the barbecue. Is that a, a Salvadorian tradition? Uh, I've made it one. <laughs> <laughs> I've introduced it. I, I, I'm like the cultural ambassador 
for uh, for El Salvador. Um, bringing new cultures and uh, uh, routines as I go. Um, and again, just chilled it there. But then I was in. Uh, where did I go from there? I went to Los Angeles. Um, so I hung out in El Salvador. Did the interview with Federico Balanas as well, and 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 just kind of. I didn't really visit anybody. I just well sat by the pool and went to the beach. Um, and then went to LA, which is something I really wanted to do because last time I went to LA was like 2000 and, I want to say 2008, but it might be 2007. And it was when Intelli had just opened the uh, roastery there. Venice. No, it was the, I, I, don't, I, I didn't actually even get to Venice that time. They'd just opened <coughs> the roastery as well. And it was an SCAA at Long Beach. Um, and because it was in Long Beach, the only bit in LA I got to go to was the Intelli Roastery because they organised coaches to the party there. Is um, it, it was it in Anaheim? No, no, it was, it was in it was in uh, in Long Beach. Oh, okay, right. Mm. I didn't know that the roastery. Oh no, sorry, no, no, no. I thought you meant the SCAA show. Yes, the roastery was in Anaheim. Yes, um, and um, I, but I never got to see any other parts of LA. So getting to go and like see the delights of. Um, I think I went, where, where did I go? I started at Demitaskus, Andy, um, he's friends with Bobby there, who um, who owns it. And Andy's the guy I was seeing, who was our old roaster, as you you know, Colin, but just for those who don't. Um, right. And he, Demitaskus, I think they've got four stores, they've got, they're all over, but they're, they're just opening a new one in Hollywood as well. And um Really, really pretty places. Um, recording it in my mug there as well, which was kind of nice. And then I went to GMB, and GMB. I managed to hit it when they were doing the Starbucks takeover drinks thing. Oh, cool! Yeah, and I managed to try all but one of them uh, because there was a group of us, so we were all sharing and trying the bits. And I would say, if anybody gave one of those as a sick drink in. WBC, they would probably win. Did they all have coffee in them? <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I, I don't think the eggnog one did. I'm not sure whether the eggnog one did. I might. I don't think I've ever had eggnog. It was it was amazing. It really was amazing. They, they were all delicious. Like all of the drinks, I really really liked. I was so surprised. I was expecting to turn my nose up and just go, "This is rubbish." Um, but it was really good, uh, and that bar was slammed. Oh my god. Like so many baristas and so many people, it was yeah, pure crazy. <coughs> yes, I definitely. It's one of my those coffee bars I want to go visit sometime. Oh, I like so much inspiration from it. It's not what I expected either, because like, I, I I'm going to be honest. I didn't know a lot about GMB apart from it existed. I didn't know where it was, or so you just assume it's a coffee shop, you know, and it's in a building, and it's not. It's in this big, massive, amazing food market. Surrounded by delicious brunches and snacks everywhere you go, um, and just completely different to what I expected. So it was kind of nice just to kind of have that. Oh, 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 and then I have to try and work out what was happening. Then they'd got this weird drink takeover thing on, so I had to work out what was going on there. Um, but the the staff there were phenomenal, and it was really good because we we weren't getting the you know you're in coffee uh, experience because they nobody had a clue. In fact, the I, the only time I'd walked away and posted an Instagram picture and about five minutes later I got a message from Charles saying come back come say hi <laughs> so uh, but nobody knew I was so I got the proper coffee shop experience which was lots of fun um, nice very good um, 
Then we went to uh, Intelli Venice. Mm-hmm. Venice is the one with the glass roof, isn't it? And uh, it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, had coffee. Not too impressed. I was shouted at twice by two different baristas. <laughs> <laughs> like I was shouted at one because she hadn't served me my drink, and I asked her where he was. And then uh, I was shouted to move out the way while I was waiting for said drink to be made that she'd forgot to make by another barista. Right. So, uh, I, I was, and I was, I was super excited about going. It's the one place I've kind of thought about going for a long time. I've seen the queues before on Instagram where the door is out the door and down the street, and it was like I want to go there. Um, and he just looked a little unloved, like the the, the glass things above the bar. It was like dust on them and stuff and it was I don't know I, I, I was just upset at being shouted at if I'm honest that was the biggest upset I could I could cope with the rest and the coffee was delicious like I actually had good coffee and um, it was brewed super well and you know it's a nice shop but I don't like being shouted at um, it's not really up there on the uh, the list of things to do for customers so. no no um, and I did tell her I, did, I wasn't happy at being shouted at but she didn't really? seem to be that bothered yeah I was like, it's not my fault. Why are you shouting at me? <laughs> but um, yeah, that, 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 I mean, that, that, was, that was sad because I think I've got such high expectations. Um, and then we went to uh, go get them, uh, which um, hadn't got a, a Starbucks takeover thing going on. So I could actually have some coffee, uh, normal type coffee from, from the shops. And that was, that, that was by far the best coffee experience I had that day. The... Um, the Kenyan from Heart that got on was just phenomenal and brewed in the bulk, but in the batch brew, but just brewed well. Um, very nice staff, lovely. It, it's not what I expected either because the shops. It's in quite a suburban back street kind of thing, but absolutely beautiful feeling to the neighbourhood and um, very cafe culture. Like sat outside at night and it, it was just lovely. It was really nice. So that was my tour of the coffee shops of LA. Um, yeah, I've been trying to go there for a while and haven't made it down. It's um, yeah, maybe this year. Mm. No, Hopefully I, so. I say and I, then I went back coffee hunting again. Yes, yeah. So I went to Costa Rica. Um, had a re- lovely time in Costa Rica, um, and um, yeah, just got home about two, no, no, about a week, week ago, week and a half ago, something like that. So yeah, now I'm going back and I'm going back to. Ethiopia on Saturday, so I'm not home for very long. Off again. Well, for you. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, um, a lot of travelling. Definitely. Um, so, did you see yesterday um, the SCAA have uh, released their new flavour wheel? Have they? Is this the one with spelling mistake or without spelling mistake? <laughs> so the flavour wheel, most of you will know, um, was. Uh, originally put together by WCR in, I don't know how old that thing is, but it's been basically redesigned, reworded um, <clears throat> by SEA and um, One Darnley Road, actually, who are the graphic designers behind Square Miles logo, and also Stephen Morris's the owners brother. Stephen Morris's brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do really good, interesting stuff. Yeah. So, uh, like... Before we get into that, like there's been a bit of kerfuffle as there usually is. I don't think you can do anything without there being so. Yeah. But 
like, do you use the flavor wheel? <clears throat> um, per- personally, no. As a, as a teaching tool, all the time. So whenever, whenever you're doing, like, we we do, uh, we I say we do a lot. We've done quite a few uh, introduction to cupping courses with home consumers who who are interested in cupping or. You know, barista's fairly new to it all, and it's super useful for saying, "Look, this is this is flavour. This gives you some descriptors to work with, and then build your, um, you know, build your library of words th- from this basis, and and find things that suit you, and find things that don't." And so, yeah, I also think it's super pretty, uh, and it's a lovely poster to have on the wall of a cup cupping room. Um, and it starts a conversation a lot of the time. Oh, what's that? And then you can actually talk about how coffee can taste really differently. Um, for the industry, I don't know how useful it is for everyday use. I certainly wouldn't be pulling it out. Um, you know, thinking, oh, what am I tasting today? <laughs> you know, it's... Um, but yeah, I, I, and I, I'm actually really pleased they have updated it because it did start to feel like it was a little old and it was a little, like, it, it needed some new life injecting into it. And you look at flavour wheels for beer and flavour wheels for wine, and you know it's a very commonplace tool to have. It's it's not like we. Will you buy a flavour wheel? Yes, yes, definitely. How much is a flavour wheel? I have no idea. SCIA have now got a chance to charge a million pounds because I've said on air that I'm going to buy one. It's very pretty as well. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. I think it is. It's something that that can sit in a cupping room or sit in a roastery, and for somebody who has. No idea about tasting. It can give them an opportunity to ask the question. I always remember you talking about the signs on the wall that you had in the Twisted Pepper. And you had something there like, ask us about cascara. And people would come and ask you about cascara. And I think having a flavour wheel on the um, on the wall of a, of a cupping room or roast would give somebody permission to ask about, have you ever tasted that in coffee? You know, and then you can actually have that conversation about taste and, and, and flavour. So I've seen like uh, Nick Cho and I think uh, Trish Rothkamp talking about um, using it properly. So like, it's I think it's very like this cupping score sheet is that like, cuppers and roasters are, are very adamant that you have to use it the right way. And I think there's most people kind of just get them and it's got like, everybody has Scott Rare book and you're like, have you read the Scott Rare book? And you're, they're like, yeah, 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 it's great. And then you're like, you reference a certain part and they're like, yeah, I don't remember that. And you're like, did you like, did you read it? I'm like, well, I flicked through it, you know. <laughs> and there's a lot of things in coffee like that where like people just download the cupping score sheets, and download or buy the the flavor wheel and go job done, and that's it. Like you know, it's just there's no formal training behind it. So like, how do you get trained to use the cupping or the the flavor wheel? And like, is there an incorrect way to use it? Is there a correct way to use it? What's your thinking on it? I think it's depending what you want to, what you're trying to do with it. It's like what what is the correct way of using it? It's a wheel with descriptors on it. If you talk to anybody in the beer industry, it's really again it's used as that conversation starter and to give you a basic lexicon of words that everybody should understand within the industry, and then you build from that. So it's a foundation. Um, I, I I don't understand the the use properly because I. I I don't think there's a wrong way to use it. Uh, it, it it's it's a tool that gives you some ideas. Um, I, I'm, I'm I'm really excited about the um, uh, the book that's kind of being put together about the with the I'm trying to think of the words the lexicon kind of of words 
um, that's coming together. And I think that's really exciting uh, because I think we do sometimes struggle with um, and everybody goes off piste and tries to be very original and we may be not using the same language to describe the same things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the wheel can be useful it, it, because it, it does give us a, a very common set of words. Um, but I thought it was really interesting what kind of what kicked off from that coming out for me the major point was the defects and that there's no it's become very it's become very positive all of a sudden and not very negative um, and I think it's important to have as many negative words as we do positive words because you know, not they all took them all out well I think there's been a toning down of it and the, and the defects have gone yes I mean defects you know mouldy is something that used to be on the flavour wheel gone um, you know so like, it Dussy is there though, isn't it? Uh, Dussy. Yeah. <laughs> not drawing attention to that old one. <coughs> Definitely not drawing attention. Like, I, I really shouldn't draw attention to it. My spelling is the freaking worst. Um, yeah, I, like, what, what do you think? What, I mean, what, what's your opinion on the right way to use a poster? Um, I don't know, like, I'm really curious because I just see everybody saying, oh, there's like, you need to be trained how to use it. I'm like, it's a fucking poster. Like, I don't... Like, I don't oh, really, Colin, you've cursed I again. That means I all say of that, this... Oh, you said I say that from a place of great ignorance. So, like, I know I'm actually curious. I'm like, I can... Like, because I think I know in my head how you would use it. I, I don't think I've ever used it in any kind of functional way. Mm-hmm. We don't own one. Um, so, I'm not necessarily against it. I think it's kind of pretty. It's good. It's very good. And if people get benefit from it, that's fine. Um... I'm, I'm, I don't. I, I sound like I'm against it. I'm actually quite ambivalent about it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, um, it's Blackburn Rovers to me. I don't. Know. <laughs> you know. Well, you see, um, I, I, I am. I actually am really. I think it's fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited by it. I think it is. A, it's, it is a great tool to start conversation. But I sound really negative about it as well because I don't. You know, this whole. Right way to use it, stuff. I, I don't. I think you use you use a tool how you want to do it, and you know, if you use a paintbrush and you haven't got the skills to use it, then you you might make a bit of a mess. And if you're a very talented artist, you might paint a beautiful picture, but I don't think there's a right or wrong way of doing that. You you use it how you want to use it, and everybody will take out of it what they want to take out of it. Um, it's it's a foundation. It's a it's a group of words that hopefully will all have a good understanding of what they mean when they're used to describe coffee. How much more complicated does it need to be? Yeah, I well, what I'm doing uh, with the staff at 3FE is that we were thinking about doing some coffee courses on like sensory development today when uh, I kind of thought about it for a bit. I was like, well, like, why are we doing it within the scope of coffee? Like, So I'm gonna put together like probably a, a three-part course in just sensory development, like just how to taste, what to taste, and how it works, all that kind of stuff, but not coffee focused. Okay. Um, and I think that's a more beneficial way to do things. Is actually just learn to taste with all things rather than just coffee, so it becomes less um, acute. I put the reason down to me drinking so much uh, beer and wine, just purely as research for the coffee world. Um, <laughs> it's and I'm putting myself, I'm putting myself out there every day. Just so coffee can be better. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I kind of like. I, I go back to. Do you remember? Uh, was it? I can't. Was it the first tamper, live tamper tantrum we did, where I did the the cupping form. 
uh, where I've kind yep. of, I, I pulled apart sheets and copying forms and, and all the rest of it. And I, I, I kind of feel a little bit about this. It's like if people tell you, oh, that's the only way to use a cupping form or this is the only way to use a, a flavour wheel, that it can be really restricting for the, for people like, again, if you want to, if you want to take screws out with a chisel, it's not very clever, but you can, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if that's what you want to do with it and that's the way you find the best way of using it, then that's kind of cool. I'm not, I'm not going to tell, like, yes, give some instructions, like for sure, tell people this is the right way to use, but use them however you want to use them. And this whole kind of like, oh, you, oh, no, it's rubbish unless you use it the right way. It, I, no, it doesn't work for me. Um, you use it however you want to use it. Well, it wasn't the only um, big reveal in the world of uh, rotund research modules. Uh, are are you also... talking about the in my mug uh, that I did over Christmas in the pool with no shirt on? Because that was a big reveal. No, that wasn't circular, or was it? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking but... about the, the brewed coffee compass from oh. Bristol. Okay. Which I'm looking at now. Um, and it's... It's pretty good. Yeah. But again, I suppose, it's the same thing. Sorry. I'm not sure. They've put, they put a T into the word dussy. I don't know why they've done that. Oh, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, again, I'm not sure that you can't put some of those words in different places, but um, yeah, overall it looks pretty interesting. It's a nice little tool to have. So another thing I noticed was that the... Uh, on the did you see Mick's blog post about the flavour wheel as well before we finish the flavour wheel off? I, uh, I did, but I didn't read it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Is that like your Scott Ray book? Well, at least I said I didn't read it. But <laughs> yes. I, actually, I, no, I kind of half lied. I said I did see it, but I didn't read it, which is actually saying yes, but no. Indeed. Um, it's, it's, as always, very carefully thought out, interesting blog post. But there's a bit at the end that, for me, is the most important part. Um, and it says, when sending smart is more important than being smart... We're not in a lull, we're in serious danger. Um, and I feel that in coffee at the minute, we are really trying to say much smarter than we really are. Um, and the lull part and the danger part, I think that we are in this place at the minute where, um, I think you and uh, Tim talked about it a little, about the, you know, the stagnation within the industry and how we're not, we, we, we're trying to invent things to make it look like we're progressing. Um, and Matt North at Cup North did a, a really interesting talk on exactly the same where, you know, the, the, as an industry, we've kind of, we're looking for things to do instead of developing. Um, and I think this flavour wheel is, is a, an example of that, that we're trying to look smarter than we really are because we we don't know what to do next. Yeah, I think, it, well, I don't know if it's a new thing. I, I feel like that's been there since, since I've gotten into coffee, which is like when, 2008 or so. Um, oh, so you're like, the reason. It's your fault. <laughs> Maybe. But it's a, like, there's definitely a big push towards like pseudoscience and trying to be... like, Which is a good thing. But like, you should do it with respect. And, like, you know who... like, It's kind of it's, oh, it's like a science. You know, who's, you know who never says it's like a science? Mm -hmm. Scientists. They never <laughs> say that. They never say, oh, I work in chemistry. It's kind of like a science. It is a fucking science. Like, and like, it's it's very interesting what they like that aspect of coffee. But I mean, like, if I've been to so many cafes where they have their TDS 
and extraction yield written on their grinder. Yeah. Like, and you're like, why is that written there? And they're like, oh, that's what we're extracting. I'm like, so you're extracting like 18.23% or whatever it is, 21.2%, 25%, whatever the extraction is. You're extracting that every single time, are you? Uh, well, that's what we dialed into. Like, and every single time that's happening. Like, just because you write it uh, with, with like glass marker on your grinder doesn't mean that it's, that marker is going to control your extraction. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you took a snapshot that has a variance in its, in its uh, accuracy anyway at one particular time of the day. And then you wrote it on your grinder. That's all you did. It's just not reflective of what's happening all the time. Um, and there's definitely a lot more. It's kind of, it's put there as a kind of a, this is what we do. You know what I mean? Whereas there are far more important things to do like clean tables and talk to customers and things like that. Yeah, but that's not very cool, is it? And that doesn't make you look very. That doesn't make you look very cool. I, I find that the biggest turn off ever when I go in and I see those the brew ratios on there and stuff. And it's like, okay, out of all the people who come in your coffee shop, if one percent are interested in that, then that's it. And that one percent obviously don't know anything because they're interested in that. You know, it's so it's like yeah. it's frustrating. It's like, and you say there's so many more important things to give a shit about, like. Are the tables clean? Are your customers happy? You know, um, tell them about the tell them about the coffee. Tell them about the the flavors that they might taste in the coffee. Use the coffee flavor wheel to, uh, you know, but yeah, yield and extractions and all the rest of that kind of sucks for me. It's um, yeah, I, I just I don't get it. I don't understand why, um, but people do. Are you gonna buy a flavor wheel? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, the amount of times that it started the right conversations in the roastery, I would be foolish not to. Um, you know, people look at it and kind of go, oh, I've never tasted that in it before. And if that's just one thing they pick out, you know, that starts a whole avalanche of other questions and other opportunities to engage and talk about flavour and tasting coffee and all the things that can be possible in coffee. Um, I, I, I've been trying to track down the beer and wine ones for a while as well, because I, I thought that might be kind of fun to have that comparative wheel um, but I haven't found any yet oh I've never seen them yeah yeah no there are eight now I've been to breweries before and, and, and seen them in breweries but just not found any for sale uh, hmm. but very common tools very common tools I see um, <coughs> so <coughs> um, is, this a, Jen, is this a segue and link yeah, I was trying to think of a really like neat segue, and I, I couldn't. And I just thought, oh, fuck, I'll just change the subject. I find if you can't find a neat and uh, tidy one, you just make it look okay. like a big sore thumb and make it stand out. So t- tell us what you've been thinking, Colin. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking that Jen has been going to the archives of the podcasts. She actually has been. You've not just been thinking, she has been. Oh, hello, Jen. <laughs> hello, Jen. <laughs> Where did you burst in, then? <laughs> she won't have burst in anywhere on anybody else's feature. She just burst into our ears as we're recording this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Coming so in our ears. That happened. So because we thought it happened, <laughs> then it happened. Um, I think. But so she was quite struck by um, that. So I, do you remember the podcast we did, or video cast, at Ross? Uh, or no, at um, Dose, Dose Espresso. Yeah. 
And Ross Brown was there with his dog. That's what I remember from that day. Aquila What's his dog's name? What's his dog's um, name? Lud. Lud. <gasps> Beautiful dog. <coughs> I don't know how that's relevant, but... Is it relevant? Um, slightly. But, so, I think there was a lot of conversations on that one. Jen was telling me about how a lot of the things that they... That every, like, James Hoffman was there, Gwilym Davies is there... Ross Brown, who else came and talked to us that day? A few different people. Oh. Gaz was there that day. Gaz White. Gaz? Has been Gaz. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, of course, yeah, he was working. Where was he working then? Working Annette was there. Yeah. Um, Emily, Emily Oak, Oak was yes. there, yes. Oh, yeah, I remember that now, yeah. So they're all um, in. Um, talking to us about different things, but Jen was struck by how the, the topics that that were kind of coming up at those times were pretty much the same as what is going on today. Like there's a lot, it's all about like innovation, the stagnation in the industry, complaints about competitions and judgings. Like it's kind of, I don't know, it strikes me that maybe the most interesting thing about this industry is, is the ability we all have to complain about it. I guess that's the same in any any industry, though, isn't it? Like anything you were, I, I remember when I worked in the prison service and, like the stuff that happened in there was just like people uh, you sit around. This is the worst job in, the, and it was the worst job in the world, to be fair. But like nobody ever went. This is great, isn't everything good? You know, it's just not a human condition to to say that everything is. And if we did sit there and say, say if you you kind of sat there and said, we brew the best coffee, everything is amazing, nothing ever goes wrong, it's all perfect. Could you imagine what happens in June when the WBC comes to town? You're going to be there to be shot at big time. Because it's so personal and so uh, down to your perception of what you're having is good, that you know. So we, we're actually inclined to go. It's a bit shit, because if somebody comes in and it's a bit shit, we go, go yeah, it's a bit shit. You know, it's very difficult. Like the water's wrong, or the sky's wrong, or the wind's blowing in a different direction. The sky is wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, but this is it's like. I, it's all of the excuses because we're constantly complaining about them. We're always trying to find ways to say that, you know, we can brew better coffee. And I'm sure we can. But you, before we started this podcast, you said something super interesting. Um, oh, which it, You did, and that I wrote it down because I've never heard you say anything super interesting before. But it was you said about, like, shall I make tea or shall I make coffee? I know if I make tea, I'm going to be, like, okay. I know if I make coffee, I run the chance of being really disappointed. Um it's coffee brewing, and and it's always going to be the same. We're always going to sit around and complain about it. I think, um, but yeah, they're like the topics were the same. I think we just um, it's different voices saying them, and and, and all the same voices and more voices on top. Um, but as an industry, I guess we we kind of grown. You know, we are bigger than we were. Um, we are selling more specialty coffee all around the world than we have been. So is that a positive thing? Yeah, well, one of the interesting things that we spoke about this yesterday is that over the course of the years, and like in 2011, David Walsh alluded to this in 2013 in Nice, uh, Mike Strumpf did in 2015, Gordon Hell did a Cup North. It's the fact that so many people um, brew by the same parameters uh, like and have been doing for the last four decades and nobody has applied any research towards doing it. Six grams per litre. It's a beautiful number. Yeah, but like, the thing is, like, I have done some research into, like, 
say, oh, every now and again, they go, oh, yeah, like, let's look into this and see if we want to, um, to get somewhere, <clears throat> uh, to get a different way of brewing coffee, see if we can get some better out of it. And they always just end up back at the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, we, we, well, we talked about this yesterday, that when I did all the brew guides for the website, I really went in with the mindset that I knew I knew nothing, which was quite handy because I did know nothing. But, like, that 60 grams per litre thing didn't exist in my head, so I, I did a 5 grams per litre, and I did a 200 grams per litre, and I really, and I kind of just pulled them all over the place, just brewing all sorts of different parameters and, and times and pour, pouring methods and, like, to bloom or not to bloom. And... Um, I still kind of ended up back at the six grams per liter um, as as a as a safe place to be, but like, where did it come from? Like, um, well, who who I know, I know that there was that research in uh, was it Norwegian did it or something? I, I can't remember. The, the, like the fifties, sixties uh, research that was done, but like, I said things five ten years ago and everybody's forgotten them. So how hey, did everybody remember this guy? Well, maybe because they also tried it and went, this kind of works at this level. So yeah, maybe it is a it is a thing that is uh, in the right place. Before I move on, I just thought of something else as well. I've been thinking about another tattoo. I think I'm going to have six grams per litre put on on my tattoo. <laughs> that would be a cool tattoo. It definitely would, and you need more of them. So I do, I do. <laughs> Stop wimping out and get it on your cheek or something. <gasps> a bit on my forehead. Yeah, that would be that would be it. Nailed eyelids. So you'll only see it when I'm sleeping. Um, yeah, um, yeah, that's gone horribly off topic again. But um, it is interesting that we we the, we don't have a great deal of research yet. We have a great deal of plastic scientists that pretend to do research. So if somebody came along and said, "I have this fund of like a million euro," and they research into any area that you want for the benefit of coffee, what area would that be? Well, that's difficult. You can't just throw that one at me. Um, has it got to be brewing, or is it? Can it be growing? Can it be? It can be anything. Anything from from seed to cup. You always know. I I kind of geek out on varietals. I would love more varietal research. I would love to know. Um, like, I don't think we've done enough with varietals. I think the genealogy of plants on the farm is terrible. Like, we just don't know what they are most of the time. And I'd love to kind of get some more clearer defined boundaries of what varietals are which and some research into their structure and ways that we can actually test on farms to be able to find out what varietals are which and um, yeah yeah. like i think from i think we think of those things like rightly so farming level because like the variety of coffee that's being grown is important for many reasons for in terms of yield and how easy it is to um to uh, process and to grow and all these sort of things. And um, uh, Tom Owens did a really interesting post on Instagram recently about how Pacamara is a, a very irresponsible thing to grow because it like it fucks up so much in processing and production and it's inconsistent and all these kind of things. Anyway, which is interesting. I'm not saying I agree with him, but it's definitely really interesting. Um, but if you think of it purely from the consumer level, okay. Like, so the experience of the customer that comes to a coffee shop. What, okay, if you wanted to have variety-specific coffee at a cafe, what three varieties would you use, would you employ? Like, so if a, if a far, let's say, 
pick a farm in your head anywhere. And I said, we're going to grow three varieties so that at the coffee shop, the customer can taste the difference between the varieties. So instantly you're looking for some three different, like very distinct varieties, okay? So if you had... I've, I've got my three already, if you want. Well, let's say an Esmeralda, a Pacamara, and a Bourbon. Exactly, three? exactly the three I was going to put. Maybe throwing an SL28 in there as well. Yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> they have distinct characteristics that... But even SL28 is, is a derivative of Bourbon, isn't it? Yes, yes. So, but like they have distinct characteristics. Well, Pacas, um, Pacamara has Pacas in it, which is a derivative from Bourbon as well. So, <laughs> you know... Yeah, but it's still like that as an entity. It still tastes like you could you could recognize it. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. So, but anyway, so from a consumer's perspective, what I think we need in from varieties in coffee is that we need very like you can tell the difference. Like you don't need to know a huge amount of wine. Like you could train someone in in twenty minutes to taste the difference between like uh, Pinot Noir and a Cabernet Sauvignon. You know, like it's they're quite or different or a Malbec. You know what I mean? It's it's very once you know the basics you could you could do that but i'm not sure that most consumers or even most baristas or roasters can taste the difference between like a bourbon and a couture yeah that makes sense yeah so no, it does. from from a commercial perspective what we need to do is to find distinct varieties and invest in distinct varieties so that like it's nice having little nuanced differences between bourbons and couturers or bourbons and pacas or uh, do you, do you know, do you know why I don't feel there's those differences though, Carl? The, the, right. the pro- so I, 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 I know for a fact that there are, there are many, many Keturahs being sold out there that actually are Bourbons. Mm-hmm. Because the genealogy is, oh yeah, no, they're Bourbon. Because somebody once told them that it was Bourbon. So it's Bourbon. And actually it's Keturah. So that's what I'm saying. That I'd love to spend more time on, on researching and, and having more clearer lines of varietals. Because... The, the genealogy is oh yeah somebody told me once it was that uh, and there's no and it looks a little bit like the the, the Bourbon you know but Keturah and Bourbon not a million miles apart when you look at them yeah Keturah's a little bit shorter Bourbon's got slightly spindlier branches but they look similar-ish you know it's a coffee plant so I wonder how much how many times we're drinking Bourbon and it's Keturah you know because a, a Bourbon from Brazil is a very uh, a very distinct cup I think and and, and part of that is because it's Brazilian in the way that they process and pick and what have you but the other thing is it's a much like you can be much more sure it's a Bourbon in Brazil than you can in Honduras or in Nicaragua yeah and but I'm not sure and I agree that there are some varietals that are closer and and we need to but then there are some wine varietals that are super close as well like, uh, and what we need to do is just get better at that. I mean, I, we went to a restaurant two nights ago, you know, and I'm looking at all of the varietal of the wine that I want to, to find something that matches the state that we're having. And I, I know in my head that, you know, a, a Malbec is gonna be good with a, with a steak, it's gonna fit. Um, because that's what you learn as those basic things at the start. But we don't have that same thing with coffee and I don't, I don't get why, because there are coffees that, you know, Again, like what you said, you know, if you want something that's super floral, you know, you're going to go for a Geisha or an SL28. You want something that's, you know, sweet and more balanced and rounded, you're going to look for a Bourbon. Um, but we don't, I don't know, we don't promote it so good, I don't think. Yeah. Wait a minute. It's, uh, for those who don't realise, uh, from my strange introduction, I've been up since four o'clock with crying toddlers, so I'm a bit blurry. 
Did I say Esmeralda was a variety? You did. But I brushed I meant, over it. I know you meant geisha. I was fully <laughs> aware of what. We I, all knew what you meant. Way to make a point, Colin. Um, yeah, that's that's what toddlers do so, to your kids. So, um, yeah. How's that yeah, going I, for you? I, I, honestly, I, I remember having the children once and I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> it's generally good fun. Yeah. But when you want to sleep and they don't want to sleep, that's, that's where the fun ends. But, um, I like sleeping. It's fine. I, I got to watch a lot of Pepper today, so I'm all right. <laughs> yes, I'm sure your TV habits uh, change drastically with children. Um, yeah. So what's what's coming up for you in the next uh, couple of weeks, Colin? This is a segue, um, by the way. So, well, the first thing that we've got to do is that we have to get our new shop open. So we're building a shop that is further up the canal than Dublin. And there's also, it's going to be less of a, it's going to be very different to the existing shop. So it's going to have a lot more um, retail available and espresso machines and grinders. And then um, a training area as well. Exciting. So a bit is more of can- a, coffee, a coffee hub, if you will. That's quite, quite good timing because if you have a coffee training room um, and you happen to have a WBC come into town, that, that's, that's also quite convenient. Well, it's funny you should say that, Steve, because what I think we're going to do is that we're going to uh, lay out an espresso machine uh, training area for all the various WBC champions and... Uh, I know we could put like a like a glass wall around them and you could come in you could feed them and nice. you could like you know get your picture taken with them and uh, you know we could uh, have you know events where we make them jump through hoops and stuff really Can cool. I come and MC them? Can I come and here we have the barista champion of Ireland going to the toilets. Yeah, that would be and excellent. They can make it much more entertaining. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, so that, that'd be fun. Uh, we got to get coffee throwing ready for the World Championships. We're probably going to need to run another national championships, aren't we? Why? Because we didn't run the 2016 ones. We only ran 2015 ones. I thought those ones carried forward. Well, the beauty of this, Steve, is that we get to make up the rules. So Carry them forward. We don't need another national championships. We have our winners. Okay. Uh, <coughs> and then um, we get lots of WCE and WBC people. Uh, running into town soon for their I think they're here between the 6th and 12th of February doing their annual whatever it is that they do flavour wheel spinning I don't know how about you? <laughs> um, yeah as I said earlier I'm going to Ethiopia I'm doing the um, Taste of Harvest competition out there um, which I'm very excited about like tasting very specific lots from uh, individuals and co-ops in Ethiopia is something you don't get a lot of chance to do normally um, and have massive amount of provenance on it and there's also going to be an auction at the end so I'm hoping that I might be able to get some lots which is um, nice. very good uh, I'm also going to try and get some Tampa Tantrum podcast done while I'm out there as well I think I want to know I, I want somebody else to explain the whole um, uh, Taste of Harvest competition better than I can and what they want to do and where they want to take it so I think that that would be really good um, yeah that'd be really good it'd be very interesting yeah. to hear that yeah, so that's. And then uh, we have episode the fiftieth. Um, so we we should do something for that, maybe. I don't yeah. Know what. No, definitely we should do something. We 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 will do a thing. It's um, I I say I think it's a it's a big milestone. Um, maybe I could do I, a big presentation on the Esmeralda variety. Do, do you know what I really want? 
is I really want to get past the portafilter amount that they did, so then we can be the longest running copper oh, podcast. How many portafilters are there? I think there's about 80. 80? But how long does it go for? See, because we used to probably have about 150 if we were actually... Yeah, no, they, no, they no, were, no, they were posted we, they we every week. We have been very prolific for a long time. We have. We have. We have consistency. And we've... We, we, persistency. And prolificity. And prolificity. Like and all of the C's. Uh, syphilis-y. Um. <laughs> Why did I say that? Do you know, sometimes when you like... Well, I do this a lot, where my mouth does things and my brain goes... You're like the Sarah Interesting. of coffee. <laughs> and you're the Donald Trump, and I support you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, well, I think that's a good place to leave it right there. Isn't it just? Um, so that was episode 40, the 46th, is that right? 46. Of Tamper Tantrum. Uh, we've got some very cool interviews coming, so keep an eye out for them. More presentations going. Go watch Tim Wendell as well, it's exceptional. I can't believe we didn't talk about it this time. Oh, gosh, and, yeah, no, uh, we didn't. No, yeah. It is an exceptional talk. All of the Paris talks are exceptional, but Tim kicked it off as the, the first speaker of the day, and it was just like, wow, this is going to be good. So, yeah. Yeah, so everybody go listen to that, and we'll talk about it next week. How's that? Good. Let's do that. Awesome. Over and out. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.